yeah, because he says, like, I love pussy. And I'm like, yeah, this is, like, female positive. Like, he loves pussy. He's going to give up weed for pussy. And so we're like, and they're looking at us like, we're crazy. We're crazy. And Dave and I are, like, hitting each other under the table so hard that we have, like, bruises on our legs because we can't believe that that's our job, that we have to go in there and pitch that as the end of our movie. Yeah. Yeah. By the way, that anecdote, that's how we're going to open the podcast. Thank you so much. Well, hey, friends. Welcome back to Who's the Ross? The podcast. I am your host, Aaron Ross. And today, my very special guest is director Tamara Davis, who helmed some of the greatest comedy movies of the 1990s. Now, this is how legendary Tamara is. She helped turn Chris Rock... Adam Sandler, and Dave Chappelle into stars. I mean, come on, what a resume. But aside from these big name collaborations, it is her background that is just as fascinating as the A-listers she launched. That's why for today's episode, we're going to start off by talking with Tamara about how her career began in Hollywood and her fascinating Hollywood roots. They go deep. Then later, we are deep diving into her experience of directing Billy Madison and Half-Baked, two films that have had a profound impact on me, and we screened for our live audience the night that we taped this interview. And I'm proud to let you guys know that we have a sponsor for this episode of Who's the Ross, and that is GreenRocketCBD.com. Head on over to GreenRocketCBD.com, where their selection, it's dope. Now, this chat was recorded in the spring of 2023 at the Alamo Cinema in downtown Los Angeles. Our audience had actually just come from watching Billy Madison, so man, they were hyped. And you're going to hear, we channeled that energy into welcoming our wonderful guest to stage. So now, why don't you do the same with me and give me a little bit of that Sandler gibberish as we get to meet director Tamra Davis. And so without any further ado, I say that I need your help in bringing up our guest tonight. You guys ready to help me? All right. Then please repeat after me in the spirit of Norm MacDonald. Yahoo! Yahoo! Yahoo for Tamara! Yahoo for Tamara! Yahoo for Tamara Davis! And now, clap your hands, Tamara Davis, director of Billy Madison. Wow, Tamara Davis. Is this, oh my God, you guys are amazing. I can't believe the energy and the enthusiasm. You're amazing. We're so happy to have you here. Woohoo! Woo if only every day could be like this. I know, right? Thank you. It's like my dream. This is equally my dream as it's your dream. I'm trying to figure out Inception style, who is hopped into whose dream. I think it's mine, and you hopped into mine really? okay. with your dream. Okay. Yeah. Let's yeah. Go. I could go it's there. weird if you think too much about it, so don't think too much about it. Uh, here, here's, here's the deal. I read this recently, and I believe it. You are the greatest comedy director of the 1990s. You wrote that. I did write it, and I read it right there, and it's the truth. You catapulted the career of three of the biggest comedy stars still making us laugh today. First, CB4 with Chris Rock. Amazing. Chris Rock is, like, he's incredible. Then, Billy Madison with Adam Sandler. And the biggest, arguably, if it's not Chris Rock, it's Dave Chappelle. You jump-started... Boom, onto a new stratosphere. All of these in roughly five years. Unbelievable. I know, I can't believe it myself. I it's a dream. It. It's a dream, Tamara. It's a dream. I saw Half-Baked three times skipping school at the movie theater 
when I was 15. Now we can gush all day, but I want to know your background really quickly. Uh, just, just for the people, you uh, have a grandfather who was a comedy writer and a grandmother who was an actress. Yes, my grandfather was a joke writer. Yeah, he was a comedy writer. Oh, he, so Yeah, he would write those one-liners. Do you yeah. remember any of grandpa's oh no, one-liners? They were so bad. And so <laughs> That's how they're, they're supposed yeah, to be. Yeah, they're one-liners. But he, and so I, he lived above Sunset Strip, mm -hmm. and I, I lived with my grandparents when I was a young girl, and I worked for him, and he would write jokes all day, and then I would type them up on little three-by-five cards, and then I would put that we would put them in like a, uh, like a filing cabinet. And so when somebody needed jokes, like, because he would write for like Reagan or Bob Hope or Milton Berle, and I'd be like, oh, we need fireman jokes. And so I'd go through the 355 catalog and I'd pull <laughs> out the fireman jokes and we'd write up like two pages and that would do that. But, you know, when I would hang out with my friends, we would go downstairs and we would like, pull out those three <laughs> jokes and stand there and do like funny stand-up with just like punk rockers with mohawks and we would tell jokes and it would be hilarious. Hilarious. This is all making sense now. Yeah. Of course the greatest comedy director of the 90s would have a grandfather with a filing cabinet of jokes for Milton Berle. Yeah. Brilliant. Yeah, it was really funny. But yeah. Yeah, and so when I grew up, yeah, those guys were around like and my grandfather was not really that funny. He was like kind of grumpy, and I realized it was he was sarcastic. I don't know the grumpiest make the best joke yeah, writers, maybe not do. the best joke deliverers. Yeah, no, that is a big thing. That's a big thing. Being able to write the joke and then being able to deliver it, and I really saw that actually with Hurley and Adam Sandler. Sure, uh, Hurley, Tim Hurley he wrote yeah. uh, Billy so, Madison with, with Adam Sandler. Yes, so Hurley he would write the joke. And it would not be funny. It would, whatever, just be like on the page. It'd be like nothing. And then Adam would say the joke, and it was the funniest thing you ever heard. So it was this, it was, yeah, it was like uh, chemistry. It was weird. Yeah. Brilliant to see that, that yeah, happen. Yeah, to see that happen. It, that, yeah. that dynamic yeah. that you had gotten uh, as a wee punk rock girl. Yeah, that was fun. As a riot girl, I should say. Both, both. Yeah, uh, punk rocker, rioter. Yeah. yeah. The whole thing. Different decades. You've done it all, damn it. You have done it all. Hey, I'm curious, in making these great comedic films, was there a film you looked to and you said that, something maybe you grew up with, you know, uh, that was your biggest cinematic comedic influence where you go, yeah, that really informed how I would then go to direct comedy? I'm not really. I mean, I didn't, like, start to be a director because I was like, I want to make comedies necessarily. It's just that was the opportunities or whatever had happened in my career. But, um, yeah, I mean, I loved comedies growing up. So, yeah, I don't know. Right. As you say, the opportunities that were, that were there, the earliest opportunities, for those that, that don't know in our audience or listening on our podcast, was music videos. For me. Yeah. yeah. I know. Yeah, that's how I started. Let's see, 100 I did over 150. It was, oh, I did a lot. Yeah. 150. I did a lot of music videos. It was uh, so fun. Within about a year. Uh, no, that was like a decade, but yes. Oh, but yeah. I'm gonna list I'm gonna list three you did within a year. Okay. That I you know, I would I wouldn't have guessed okay. that Tamara Davis uh, directed Tone Loke's Wild Thing. Yep. Uh, music video for Young MC and NWA with the DOC. In fact, we've got a quick selection of your work right now. Hit it, Dax. Let's do the wild thing. Over there without a second to lose, and what comes next? Hey, bust the move. Let the rhythm trick you, shake it cause it makes you. As I turn the knob to the door, you will skate through. Going like a nut, don't be a pop. And I let it play cause dress is funky in the Well, that, I meant to say, uh, director of such gangster videos by Tone Loke, Young MC, the DOC, and Hanson. You did Umbop too. Umbop too, Bop. I did a lot of rap videos and from MC Light to like so many different, you know, styles. So I think there was just something that I I was on a little bit on the outside and it helped me relate to them and they realized that I don't know, we were both a little bit more in that same position. But um but they had to like, you know, when I worked with Easy E in the beginning, like 
I had like I remember I had to do a shot in the video and I panned up from their feet and I was like trying to make it all you know like a western like not gangster but more I was like inspired by the old west movies of like creating these like John Houston like these superstar like you know low angle shots I did this shot and one guy's shoes were wrong he was wearing like I don't know they were just wrong they weren't like cool <laughs> shoes and so I looked at this guy and those guys back in the day they weren't just your crew like they were their gang members they were all like they were all gang members they're all like I don't even know what gang it was. I don't want to go into that. But they were all, like, gang members. And so I told, like, one of the biggest gang members that his shoes were wrong and he had to change his shoes. And he looked at me like, what the? And I was like, oh, my God, I'm going to get, like, is he, is he really mad at me? And then, thank God, Easy e walks up and he's like, you got to do whatever she says. Whatever yes! she says, you got to do it. And the guy changed his shoes. And I was like, thank you. <laughs> so they had like these guys they had my back at the same time that I because we got each other like they got me I got them and um I don't know we spoke a similar language and I was so grateful for that and um I don't know I, yeah and a lot of times people thought I was my name sounds black Tamara Davis so I'd walk into <laughs> meetings and people would be like you're a blonde girl like they thought I was like but like going back to my grandfather his he was his partner was slappy white you know and he worked with red fox so like when I grew up that was my that was my DNA like I it was kind of like we were part of that language kind of growing up and it was accepted and it felt normal to me that I was I was part of that so and I, I have to say, like, there is a weird part where I just, as a female filmmaker growing up where nobody looked like me, I had to, I kept thinking, like, I don't have to be a cowboy if I want to direct a Western. Like, do I have to look like or be the thing I am directing? Can't I have my view do it? And I, I think there's something valid about that, but I also really feel that it's important that people get to tell stories and it shouldn't be limited to one type of person to tell stories. And so um, that's part of changing the narrative is that uh, we should have the ability to tell the stories we want. Nothing should be restricted. Here, here. Here, here. You a bad mofo. Easy and Tamara D. Yeah. You go and then make CB4, which parodies the world that we see there with. Is that serendipity or do they go, hey, she knows. She knows. She was kicking it with Easy. Um, I think it's both. Yes, because I had been doing a bunch of rap videos. So, yeah, I was known in the the world of doing those kinds of videos. But I also had a, um, I knew Chris Rock. Like, I, de- I did a video with him called Mama's Got a Big Head. He, like, did a music video. I know, it's so funny. Mama's Got a Big Head fans out there. Yeah, yeah. So we did a music video, and we did, like, a PSA together. So he and I had worked together, and also I knew his... Um, his writer, Nelson George, was also somebody that I was oh, yes, very close yes. with. Yeah. I'd done stuff with him. Yeah. So I kind of all. knew them. And then when they got this, you know, whatever, they got to film it, Universal, they brought me in. Because, yeah. Because, yeah, you guys saw it. Because, <laughs> yeah, duh, that's who you bring in. I think it was, it was kind of, I don't know, I think I just slipped in. My producers were Brian Grazier and Ron Howard. I know, it's so funny. And Sean Daniels, yeah, it was like I had all these, like, heavyweight producers. It was so cool. They were really into it. They were so supportive. And there was something in the water in those 90s. It was fun. I loved them. I love the damn 90s. Give me some more of the 90s. That's what's so cool about seeing these today. You can tell, you just said, we had fun. There is fun throughout these films that that we get to talk about that that you did. Yes, we had a lot of fun. And And you can't make them without having fun. Because also they were... These were like new people and they weren't spending so much money. So the studio wasn't all on top of me. They kind of like let me do what I needed to do. Yeah, the freedom. And so we kind of like went under the radar a bit. And in doing so, we were able to just, for me, I was able to develop their talent and I didn't have the pressure of like, oh, it's got to be this or it's got to be that. So, um, yeah, it was, we just had fun. And it was all about making sure, to, yeah, to get, to make it funny and get the right performance. Now, as we transition from talking about how Tamara directed CB4 to how she directed Billy Madison, 
you might be asking yourself, hey, how did this guy get a guest like Tamara Davis on his show? Well, that's a good question, my friend, and allow me to answer it. We often like giving a little behind-the-scenes look at the booking of guests on our little dog and pony show. And sometimes they fall into your lap. Sometimes they're a connection with a previous guest. Sometimes they're a long play, a test of patience. They take a bit of work, and this guest uh, trends on the latter part of that. It all began in 2018. Let me give you the story. I just moved to Los Angeles, and I meet a fellow Portlander, television and film writer Sina Haddad, who tells me that he had worked in a writer's room with Tamara Davis. Now, my spidey senses go off when I hear this. I'm like, oh my gosh, I want to meet this person who directed some of my favorite comedy films. But I could tell just upon chatting with Cena that this wasn't the right time to ask for this favor. I needed to give him the ammunition, the right reason, maybe the right venue to ask this favor. So I put Tamara in my queue the top of my long list of people I wanted to talk to, and, and I, I sat on it. Flash forward five years, Cena, he's in the audience for our Everything Everywhere All at Once crew panel at the Alamo Cinema. Afterwards, he was highly complimentary of the interview we had done, and he really liked that there was a screening of the film beforehand, and that's, that's when it clicked. I knew... I had the confidence to ask him for the favor, that he'd have the confidence to ask Tamara to come to a legendary place like the Alamo, and that screening her films wouldn't just be the perfect hook for booking, but it would just be such a great tribute to her work, going hand in hand with mining all the information and stories that went along with these cult classics. And that's, my friend, how we got Tamara Davis on Who's the Ross? And now let's jump back into our interview. Let's find out how Tamara Davis not only directed Billy Madison, but helped save the film, too. And make it funny, I know, is almost your credo, and I want to get to that in regarding Billy Madison. You were the original choice of the studio to direct Billy Madison, and then uh, uh, Adam went with a buddy of his, and then after four days... The feeling from the studio was, this isn't funny. Someone save it. They went to you. On a Thursday, you flew to Toronto, and on Monday, you started directing. Yes. You said, I believe it was in a Washington Post piece. I had to save the movie and make it funny. Tell us about how you saved Billy Madison and made it funny. Well, it was kind of crazy because I, I had just been fired from a movie. I know. I was working on this movie called Bad Girls. It was like this... Uh, Western, female Western, and somehow they thought, I don't know, like the word was that I was trying to make a feminist Western, but I was like, so what if I am? It's like, an all-woman Western. Shouldn't yeah, it be I a feminist Western? I was like, that Western? was so weird. I don't know what really happened, but in any case, I was fired, and I was like devastated, and then I got a call from Universal that said, hey, um, we're going to fire the director from Billy Madison. Will you come direct it? And I was like, what? And I, it was like, I said, Yeah. Like, why not? So I was like, crazy, so why not? And I flew with the president of Universal at the time, you know, across the country, and we went, and, um, yeah, and I went to, and, like, there was no break. It was kind of like, yeah, we went there on a Thursday, and picture was going to start on Monday. And so I had to, like, Adam and I just spent, like, the whole weekend together, and, yeah, like, I felt so bad. And <laughs> when I got there, he had, like, a his neck was hurting him. And so he had like a, you know, like a crick in his neck. The stress. Yeah, the stress. And um, and then also I was like, you know, we're working with all these kids. Being with kids is like being on acid. Let's just add color to everything. And, and not so, just man children, but as we all know, children in the children classroom. Children in like the classroom. Yeah. So I was just like, just just make it really super colorful. <laughs> yeah. And like yeah. just like make it a really su like a wild world that he enters into and just add fun and color and just have a good time and make Adam laugh. And, and I think like, that's the interesting thing that I don't know for me as a girl that I realized that there's things that you could be like, Oh yeah, girls don't get to direct. And you can think of all the reasons why like the bad things about being a girl, but the good thing about being a girl is comedians become comedians because they like to make girls laugh. 
They do. They it's like true. to make girls laugh. And so at the time, like me sitting in the chair next to Hurley, for him, Adam to try to get the two of us to laugh was like, he loved that challenge. Like that was so fun to him to try to get us to blow a take because we were laughing or that maybe we would, yeah, that we would be giggling at him and stuff like that. So using that, knowing that, oh, Adam, yeah. And that was just, we had so much fun. So it was just all about uh, trying to laugh, getting us to laugh. Yeah. Yeah. You had said, let Adam be Adam. Yeah. Yeah. And, and allow you to laugh. And you had said that it was, it was, uh, you wanted Adam to come to set and just see faces that were smiling, that were laughing. You don't want to like walk on set and feel like people are in grumpy moods and stuff. You want to walk on set and feel that everybody's there to have a good time and people are loose. And, pe- and that's something right. as a director that I can control is the feeling on a set. So if you come on a comedy set, it should be funny. You should like want to have fun. Like Adam should go out there and try to make everybody laugh. Or the same with, I learned that with Chris Rock. Like he's out there to perform. And when you create everything so that all they have to do is walk on set and perform and get the laugh. Um, it's great. You get the performance that you need. Yeah. yeah you but can... if everybody's tense and whatever, but I think, yeah, if you have your, like the boom operator and he's like shaking <laughs> the pole, he's trying to hold it or like, yeah, I've that's been... all you want. You're like the Phil Jackson of directing comedy films. And I know you know what that means. I do. I mean, yeah, you know X's and O's, but at the end of the day, it's like personalities. And it seems to make sense. Phil Jackson coached Michael Jordan, Shaquille O'Neal, Kobe Bryant, Chris Rock, Adam Sandler, Dave Chappelle. It was just like, create that zen funny space. That's what you do. I feel better because you're here. You have a, you have you. that thing, Thank right? You. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you. Well, I think whether it's that or anything, I think that, are you know to try to get the best version of you to try to get the best performance of you that's what my goal would be is to be your biggest fan and to try to get the best performance out of you i love that that's what we would do so so very much um you spoke of these did the the boom mic operators arm shaking do you remember a moment where you couldn't get a take because it was so it was cracking up the set Oh, yeah. Yeah. There's times where you can't function. My sister's here who's a casting agent, and we've been in things where you can't even, you're like on the ground laughing, like your stomach is hurting you. Do you remember a part specifically like from Billy Madison where you're like, wow, we had to do it 10 times because we were all dead? No, um, I mean, I feel like there's times where you it just, you didn't expect something and that became funny and it wasn't like you thought it was going to go there. And, you know, I think like when um, Adam, yeah, there's just like a couple of times, like for sure when he tells the dog story and you know, we, had, <laughs> we couldn't do that many takes because we knew we were going to like drop like some, a swear word to all these kids. So we had well, to. Right. Like, yeah. Is that, the, is that the lone F-bomb? Yeah, well, you can't just, like, do, okay, and another take. Like, you're going to swear to, like, a group of children again and right. again. So, you know, you could only do it, like, a few times or maybe once. I don't remember, but I know that, like, the take that we used that he did, it was, yeah. We were we were sitting there because it's he's so convicted. Like, he really, he believes it. Sure. Yeah, he was there. He went there. Fine. Yeah, so that we effing- were dying. Yeah. 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 It was, we were, we were laughing hard. Ad-libbing was a big part, I assume, of this set. I mean. uh... You know, I feel like you can, for sure, ad-libbing, yes, you have to have the freedom of that, but you also have a script and we kind of like developed the style where you just get what's written Mm -hmm. and then you can play. Ah. You have to get what's written because that's expected and you know the script work. That's why you did the job. Like you can read it through and that's what I need in the edit room. But then, um, then you can play. And, like, even something like that, to see the dude just laying there on the couch. When Dave Chappelle explained to me that Stephen Wright was just going to lay on the sofa the whole day, I was like, like, sometimes you you just have to go with it. You have no idea what these guys are talking about. And part of my job wasn't to be like, oh, I don't know. Maybe let's think about, let's discuss this. I'd be like, what? That's crazy. Like, and the guy, Stephen Wright, I don't know if you've had conversations with him, 
he's crazy. <laughs> and like, and he just laid on the couch all day long. That was his job. Like he really yeah. just did that. Like it'd be like this. Yeah. We are, we've got all our guy day. on the couch. Yeah. I'd be like, is he okay? That guy? Like even me, like we'd be like, <laughs> I was like, we're moving on next set. He would stay on the couch. So method. These guys, these guys, that's these, crazy. These guys, uh, swan. Stop looking at me, Swan. Shampoo, that's a, a big ad lib. Yeah, that was yeah. Ad-lib. yeah, we got what was written, you know, and then um, and then all of a sudden he just went off and just was like, shampoo. And I was like, we were like... Yeah, but and the, the brilliance is whatever you got is didn't make the film, but shampoo and conditioner and Swan made the film. Yeah. Because there is but, no lead-in. There is nothing... Oh, really? Before, yeah. yeah. Where is... Yeah, what else is there? I have no idea. Which is like the same but with... But that was like, yeah, I don't know what we got other than like it was a bathtub with a swan in there and he just we got what we were supposed <laughs> can, to get i don't know what we did yeah and then you can hear he them they're that. all cracking up because anytime i think about it, it's the timing of, yeah, of the timing and just stop looking word. at me swan has like a three beat and then he turned yeah. stop looking at me Swan. It's so good every friggin' time you had mentioned like he's just doing those things also the first time like now that's his stuff like that's who adam is right but then he was like these were all new, like he was developing this character at the same time. But that's why you're so much more responsible for his career. No, no. Yeah, it's it's just, just more wait, just because trying to make people laugh. It's just like, where do you go to try to get a laugh out of somebody and developing that language? But there's a truth that he was shy and 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 nervous about this being his first big star oh, yeah. role. It meant a lot to him. It yeah. meant a lot to him. And so that switch after four days to you as directing clearly... That made a big difference. That's very cool. Uh, bravo. Yahoo. Yahoo, we say. Yahoo, Yahoo. Both with Dave Chappelle and Adam Sandler, they did co-write these films. Now, that's different when it's your words and your ideas that you're acting out. How much did they, if they either weren't in a scene, or did they confide in you about direction of things? Did you have a, 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 often a dialogue, or did they maintain their... When, when the camera's rolling, do they maintain... I'm just an actor at this point, or was there some of, well, I'm the writer and I, I want to confer with you. What was that relationship like? Do you remember? I mean, I feel like, A, that's two different things. Like, Adam and Tim Hurley, he, like, it, it made me understand having my grandfather just, like, a writer and right. a comedian. Like, there's right. a relationship between those two people. They confer a lot. Like, Adam and Hurley, he a lot. And remember, Dave Chappelle, it was Neil, Neil Brennan. Brennan. yeah. Neil Brennan was his writer, and the two of them were 22, 22, 23 years old. That's crazy. Yeah, so they were like children. So I was like directing the children <laughs> of what to do, because I was like maybe 30, 32 or something when we were doing this. And so for me, it was like trying to make sure that I, you know, I was like making, letting them play in a controlled environment. It was like being a nursery school teacher. That's what it so was. So the vibe of Billy Madison yeah. just sort of carried on yeah. to I'm taking care of. Yeah, you like you enable them and, you know, but and <laughs> you enable them and you don't judge them, you know, and it's like, and I had to also step aside thinking like, you know, like Dave's like, oh my God, it's going to be so funny. I'm going to walk in and, and the first thing I'm going to do and I'm going to step on the dog. Like there's when they come and they discover that the dog yeah. is like dead or something. And so he says he's going to come and he's going to step in the dog. And me, my head's like, no, don't. That's how I'd be too. Yeah, but you have to like step back and be like, oh yeah, sure, yeah, whatever's funny, yeah, let's do it, let's do it that way. That sounds cool. Let's go for that. Same thing happened with the the clown falling hemorrhage in my head, right? Yeah, and I was like, what? (laughs) I mean, the whole time I'm always like, what? Yeah, like even when I got on Billy Madison, I'd read that script. I was like, oh yeah, Billy and his two buddies, and then I met. Norm McDonald <laughs> is your, that's not what I read. When I read that, like, that's your buddy? Like, a guy is, like, 20 years older than you? Like, this older guy. I just was like, I was like, Adam, are you? The? Like, I was in shock. And, like, I know, I have to say, like, most of that stuff, I was in shock. I was like, really? Yeah. But then I add stuff because I'm like, oh, you know, I remember I'm married to, at the time especially, married to Mike D of the Beastie Boys. And so I'm thinking like, oh, yeah, he just told me some night about like coming home after partying. They'd had a 
that like a donkey ended up like so there's like are some weird signs like like all, so you take stuff from your life mixed with like what it could be like to come home at the you know after a night out what is, what's going to happen when you find those guys you know riding on the belly all stuff like that what so you great, mix it all up boy you just had all the best influences around I'm yeah. so jealous. Or, I wish I had Mike D around when I was yeah, that's, growing up. Yeah, know. sure. You you spoke of the influence you brought in. And I, yeah. I want to know about bringing it in a woman's perspective. Often I, when I told people oh, we've got Tamara Davis on, uh, the director of Billy Madison, and people will say, oh, a, 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 what? A woman directed Billy Madison? Yes. And there are really significant things you brought to that film, which include Veronica Vaughn's strength, her intelligence. Balancing out a boys club is essential to that film lasting. Can you tell me a little bit about like what you feel that you brought as a woman to, to the one of the biggest boys clubs? Well, I mean, I think for sure uh, doing music videos, I that was also part of it. Like I tried even in my music videos, if I was shooting like girls dancing and stuff like that, I had like a respectable view on them. Like I want I think girls are beautiful and I want them to be seen in a certain way and. Just the female gaze of another woman is different than the male gaze of another woman. So I'm very conscious of that. So with that, yeah, like I totally thought Bridget, you know, Veronica, you know, I thought that who she was and, and you know, yeah, she's a strong woman. So I, I, I love adding those aspects into the film and showing different versions of that. I think there's something really cool with that. But I also like add that female aspect that if you see that a girl directed it, then I'm hoping that some young girl also sees that a girl directed it and thinks maybe I could be a director. And so a lot of times I was doing that, my work, because I couldn't believe I got that opportunity. But I also thought like, wow, there's going to be some other girl out there that's going to like do amazing things as well. And if she sees that a girl directed that, maybe that'll give her some hope or go out there and do it. Dodgeball scene. What a segue. What a segue. Dodgeball scene. Uh, permission slips needed. Uh, Adam tells you the night before, I'm really going to hit him. Let's take a look at Adam really hitting him. Now you're all in big, big trouble. <laughs> It did. He called me. We were staying in the same hotel, like a floor away, and he calls me, I don't know, 9 o'clock at night or something, and he's like, hey, Tamara, you know we're doing that dodgeball scene tomorrow? I want you to tell the props guy to, like, deflate it a little because I'm really going to hit these kids. And I thought, like, he's just playing with me, like he's just trying to, like, get me going, like, ah, oh, ha, ha, let's make Tamara laugh. And I'm like, ah, oh, that's funny. And he's like, no, no. I'm really going to do it. <laughs> Hurting kids is funny. He's like, it's comedy gold. If you hurt a kid, it's the funniest thing ever. And I'm like, that? I'm like, Adam, that's like crazy. And he's like, no, just get their parents' permission. I'm sure there'll be, like, kids that'll agree to doing it. You know, get their permission, have them sign off, and know that I'm going to, like, really hit these kids. So I did. I, like, asked the parents and the kids, and, like, they all, like, got in there. Like, they knew who was going to, you know, the parents confer with their kid. Like, will you do it? You know, or get, you get future time, <laughs> you know, whatever. Maybe you'll get a little bump. And so they well, signed yeah, maybe it, more than a little bump. Yeah. No, they signed it off. And you can see after each time he hits them, I had to cut. Right. Because the kid is, like crying. <laughs> oh like, they're fully in tears. There were these monsters in our audience. They're monsters. Yeah. No, they really were like, they thought it would be funny, but then when they got hit, it would be like, oh, and they would just drop to the ground in tears. Can, can it was I, frightening. It was frightening. I was dying, but I was like, oh my <laughs> You were dying? God. I was. I was laughing so hard, but I have a hard thing. Sometimes I laugh when people get hurt. Like if somebody. Well, it's the Bugs Bunny. It's, it's yeah. the like Wiley e. Coyote. It's yeah, the whole. Yeah. And yeah. So I had to. It was really That's hard. That's because your for grandfather's me. file cabinet. I know, no, but it was hard for me to be like sympathetic at the same to the parent and the child at the same time. I thought it was the funniest thing ever. They're okay. Yeah, yeah, they they're. They're okay. in. They're all in our audience tonight. 
They're all here. We, we found them all. They're all here. And uh, at the end of the show, they're going to throw dodgeballs at us. Farley, I say it, and a man goes, oh, my God. He's so excited that we even get to talk about it. Tell me the Farley effect on set. Well, first of all, Chris Farley is, like, the most beautiful person you've ever met and the funniest and kindest. I know. He just is the best. But he, um, so working with him, he he always wanted to do really good, and but then he also pushed it to such an extent that I was, it was, it was really hard sometimes to watch him. Like in the bus driving scene, before he gets on the bus, like walks up and I like, you know, we're towing it or something. We're really pulling it. He has somebody lined up like seven or eight shots of espresso. And he just stands there and I'm standing there and he goes, loop, loop. And he just does them. Yikes. And then he gets onto the bus and I'm watching him and he's holding his breath and he's turning purple. And I'm like, Oh my God, he's going to die. Like he's going to have a heart attack. So I'm having a heart attack watching him like have a heart attack. Like how far do you let somebody push it to where you're like, this is crazy. Like he's like going to blow a gasket. Worried for his health. Yeah. Worried for his health. Worried for, worried about him. But he also, that's what he did. Like, um, wait, here's a crazy story. It's just really funny. Before, like, on one of those crazy weekends, we were all staying in the same hotel because they were also doing Tommy Boy. Oh, yeah, Tommy yeah. Boy was shooting at the same Tommy time. Tommy Boy was in shooting Toronto? at the same time. Yeah, we're all at the Sutton Place Hotel. So it was Dave Spade, me. Yeah, and somehow Gwyneth Paltrow was there. Early wait, days. somehow Gwyneth Paltrow. We were, yeah, we we're all Adam Sandler, Chris Farley, David Spade, and you. Oh, excellent. Yeah, all of us. Continue. I'm trying to think who else is in that room, but, and Chris. And we play a game called the dead game. The dead game. Okay. So the dead game is we all sit there, close your eyes, somebody's it, and they play dead. So what you do is when you when time goes, you open your eyes, and the person has faked their death in this hotel room. And you all go try to find where they're at. And so, like, Adam was in the bathroom strangled by, like, a girl's pair of underwear or some, like, something like that. Like, ah, ah. And, um, uh, and Chris Farley, we open our eyes and he's naked in front of us with an Evian bottle in his butt. This is what we open our eyes to. Yeah. This is where we were. And I was like, oh my God. Like they go there. They go there. Yeah. To see it. Is that crazy? That's how it's called being a a boy, but yes. I was like, this is the craziest game ever. Yeah, we had so At much At least it fun. wasn't a Snapple bottle. Those are girthy. No. But they, you know what? They came up with that, the skit where the Chippendale player, because oh, yeah. Adam had double doors in uh-huh. his thing, and that was invented in that hotel room. Oh, wow. Yeah, that Chippendale. Wow. Skit. That sketch environment was all over always. the film. There, they were segments, always. They were always on. They yeah. were always trying to make <laughs> each other laugh. Yeah. Brilliant. Yeah. Thank you for the insight on, on Billy sure. Madison. Yeah, it was super I, 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 fun. Was that? It was fun. Well, it's fun we for us. Uh, oh, I do have one more Billy Madison question. Are you ready for it? Okay, okay. Do you have any more gum, more gum, more gum, more gum? Do you have any more gum? Just want to make sure I get that out of the way there. There's just no question how much Tamra, the audience, and myself love Billy Madison. 30 years later, and it's just still as hilarious as the first time I saw it. But I do have to say this, and I want to give a behind-the-scenes look at uh, something we didn't ask that, that I, you know, well, and this was in relation to the boys' club nature of this film. Upon rewatching it for the umpteenth time, just days before the interview, uh, as a touch-up, just to reacquaint on the, <laughs> the nuances of Billy Madison. I, I watched it with a woman. And there was a moment or two that, that really gave us pause. Literally, we, we paused the film and, and, and had a lengthy discussion about uh, a few parts that, that were uncomfortable and didn't age well and were just sort of a shame because even though Billy Madison is a film is sophomoric and some of that I really love. And, and the character is a bit of a dingus. In the end, I always felt like Billy was, um, the good guy. And there's a moment or two that, that is not good guy. And I thought, well, 
You know, I want to ask Tamara about this, especially as being a woman. And, and it was intended to be my follow-up question to her uh, about bringing a woman's perspective to set, which you just heard. Of course, to that, she gave an empowering answer about giving girls hope when they would see her name as the director, that they could think, wow, I, I can do this too. A woman can be a director of a film. It doesn't even have to be a film about women. It could be this sort of boys club vehicle. And, you know, I, I felt that was such a positive moment. I just didn't want to undercut it. And so I moved on. Of course, as time moves on, things change. Um, and in fact, that is also the case with Half-Baked. I mean, talk about a picture as we segue into the closing part of today's program. 25 years ago, marijuana is illegal. It's, it sends you to jail. And now you can smoke it, you can have it, you can sell it. I believe, in fact, that Half-Baked had something to do with that. I mean, it's hard to not think that, you know, as I'm growing up as a teenager thinking, this doesn't seem so bad. Well, you know, marijuana is no, no big deal. And in, indeed today, no big deal. But wait a second. Now, by that logic, Tamara Davis didn't just jumpstart the careers of Dave Chappelle, Adam Sandler, and Chris Rock. Did she also jumpstart the career of weed? Well, she just might have. But one thing we can guarantee is she helped jumpstart this film. She helped make it not half funny, full funny. So we're going to get some great stories from her about her, her time working on Half-Baked with Dave Chappelle and some of the other great uh, actors she worked with and, and, and hilarious cameos that were on the film. Also, got to shout out our sponsors once again as we're talking Half-Baked, GreenRocketCBD.com. They were kind enough to give away some fun prizes during the program. And I got to tell you, I think those prizes wore off our audience and I think our audience wore off on me. Things get particularly live in this final portion of our interview with Tamara Davis, which included our own guy on the couch. I mean, he'd been there the whole show, but now we were on the focus thing where that character is, you know, in Half-Baked and the wonderful Chuck McCarthy, great actor, a comedian who is uh, bearded and disheveled looking, laying on the couch for over an hour, had such commitment. And while you're not going to hear him at this point in the program, I don't think we hear him at all in this podcast episode. His influence is there. Also, the influence of Slurpee. Why? Well, Tamara brings up a 7-Eleven, or rather a mini-mart that opens up the film Half-Baked. And on this day that we recorded this interview, it just so happened to be a promotion from 7-Eleven where you could take as much Slurpee away as you could carry. Basically, if you even you brought a cooler or a garbage can, as long as you could take it away, it only cost you one cup's worth. Well, I brought with like a big cooking pot and a popcorn bowl, and we filled it up. And Well, that sweet frosty slurpee makes its way into the audience you'll hear in just a second but now let's make this sweet silly funny comedy come your way as we chat about half-baked with director tamra davis half-baked yes. 25th anniversary Woo! feels like it was yesterday you yeah. talked about uh, you met with adam yes. uh to discuss the film didn't get it initially and it took only a few days and you were then on uh I read that you were a little more sold on the the half baked script. That tell me about that connecting with you when you're asked to direct it. Um, that it was the same producer, yeah, Robert. Uh, yeah, so it's the same producer, and he called me in to do half baked. But like they were already on their way. Like they were like, we're shooting in eight weeks. We got it wow. all set up. We're like in Canada. We're ready to go, and we needed. So it was kind of strange that they waited so long. And I was like, right, let me read the script. So, uh, and they were like, we need to know, like, tomorrow, like, today, where, wow. you know, can you come meet with uh, Dave and Neil? And so I was like, so I read, um, I read the first scene, the kids in the 7-Eleven. And I was like, and I called Bob up and I was like, oh my God, this is the funniest thing I've ever seen. So I, I was in on the first scene. I honestly had no idea what was after it. I just, I, but I went and I did the meeting. And I was like, yes. Uh, well, you were just sold by. I was kids, like, I was sold by kids that get first high. scene. Yeah, kids get high in Seven Eleven. The movies like you've helmed. Kids it, getting hit by dodgeballs. Kids getting high. Yeah, like. Thank you. Really informed yeah. me of where I could well, go. Well, I knew uh, the <laughs> general idea, but it was really about for me trying to figure out uh, who 
this new kid was this Dave Chappelle, you know, this 22 right. year old new kid. And I, and that was what it was about. Like, could I, who, who is he? Could I, did I, did I think he, whatever? Um, you mentioned the Seven Eleven scene. Yes. Today's a weird Seven Eleven day. I don't no. know if you know this. Today no. is bring your own cup day. No. To Seven Eleven. This is, this is real. Okay. It is bring your own cup for Slurpee day. You can bring any receptacle you want until midnight. This is true. To a Seven Eleven to get uh, a Slurpee, and we took a couple receptacles, I'll call them, to get, would, do you like Slurpee? No. Yeah. No. I, I love it. I'm I love super, it. I'm like a really healthy person. Totally. But that's we were sponsored like, by 7-Eleven. Yeah. Can we redact that? We're, we're gonna, no, but as a kid. Just say 7-Eleven's A-okay with me. But I will tell you, as a kid, I grew up, and I, you know, in the valley, and they had 7-Eleven, and they had a Slurpee, so I, eat, I you know, had them when I was a kid. And 7-Eleven meant they were open from 7 to 11. Yo, mind blow. Shh. Bro. <laughs> I love the you. audience going, bro. 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 That's what 7-Eleven meant. Well, if I have seven gulps of the Slurpee, I won't have a left arm by 11. But we want to actually, who, who in the audience, can you bring this out? Let's bring up my producer. Clap your hands. This is Kristen Waller, producer. Bring the other one, too, if you don't mind. This is first Kristen went down to the 7-Eleven down the street, and we have a oh. pot. We have a pot of... Slurpee, can you guys see this? And then who wants the pot of Slurpee? You, you, sir? Oh my God. You and Joy are such badasses. Here is this is a pot of Slurpee uh, right there. We weren't actually going to segue. They're slurping it. They're slurping it. And then, and then, and then, what? Tell me your name? Akash, what are you drinking there? Well, now it's Slurpee, motherfucker. Yeah. Hey, let's get you some Slurpee. Let's do it. <laughs> oh, that's how they do it in Mexico. I, I, I did it, but I don't have to fix it. So someone figure that out. I, I did terribly at physics. So did not think it through. No, that but that's how bad. That most... That was bad. You're going to have to take that to a sink. <laughs> 7-Eleven, they're A-OK. All right. Um, that's very stupid. Um, thank you for letting me do that. Okay. I'm surprised you haven't left. I, I'm surprised. You had the, you had the uh, let Adam be Adam ethos. You go to Dave Chappelle three years later. You, did you use the same with him? What was Dave like uh, to be directed by you? Dave, Dave was awesome. Like, Dave, we had, we had a lot of fun. We had a lot of fun with Dave and Neil. And there were, they. I, I don't know, I felt like they were younger in a way like I felt with Adam there was more at stake with Dave and, well, and Neil. he had been on SNL so I think that was part of it it's yeah, that platform like, like you better had, hit like, your first movie yeah it was like a it was really yeah and um but with but with Dave it was really about um yeah just having fun and finding out yeah just developing them it was a lot of work you know the film was complicated we had a lot of sets a lot of people involved and um yeah we it just it was really fun and so for me it was really about like trying to control those two and make sure that we made the day and we made sure they found the humor in what we were doing and we just had fun all the time. Yeah. So say, say similar vibes. Yeah, similar vibes. But yeah, and um, you know, after hours, you could smoke pot, you know, like with oh, Dave. Oh, yeah. And he thought like if he made this movie, it was going to give him like carte blanche to smoke <laughs> wherever he wanted. And so he like had this whole plan. But while we filmed, there was no, you could not. Because there's too many, like, lines, you know, whatever. You had to, like, remember your words. We were all very professional. Yeah. But afterwards, yeah. Like, Dave, he just, yeah. And I think, like, it's part of figuring out where <laughs> I, the humor is. You know what I mean? And making sure he knows that you get the humor that he's talking about. And But and but I think after we made Half Baked, I think he stopped smoking pot. Like, he's... Well, because you couldn't exist if you, you took pot. The, the idea of the yeah. carte blanche actually is not a functional move. No. Uh-uh. No. He had, like, way more to do in his life. Yeah. I I, I get that. Yeah. Although we love uh, GreenRocketCBD.com, our, our sponsor tonight. In fact, uh, we've got some weed yeah. for you. We've got a <gasps> gift box. What? Oh, yeah. That's how, that. The 7-Eleven Slurpee thing was a misdirect. Yeah, okay. Nice. This is for you. That's so sweet. Thank you. 
It's for I a like game it. later, but by California state law, I can't have you compete for it, so I'm just going to give it to you. Oh, okay. But we'll pretend later like you're sort of competing, but okay. we don't want to break the law. Nice. Schnada mean. Yeah, I get okay. it. I get it. Uh, everything's better on yeah. weed, especially cameos. And uh, you had so many so in Half Baked. I want to highlight a couple. Let's take a look. Did you ever see the back of a $20 bill? On weed. What up, Zach? What's up, dogs? Good off. Let me get in here, man. You ever suck some dick for marijuana? Wow, quick and to the point there, Mr. Saget. Did you uh, uh, tell me about these legendary cameos? And there are many more. Jenny Garofalo, Willie Nelson, well, uh, Tommy Chong. The Snoop one was kind of crazy. Like on that one, he kind he came on the set, and um, first of all, he was obsessed with CB4. All he, he wanted to sing oh. every line of CB4. Really? And I was like, whoa, he knew every <laughs> word. And then, so he goes and he sits on the stoop and he starts to smoke a real joint. Like, well, we're like yeah, smoking he's, fake he's joint. Yeah, but we're on the lot at Universal Studios. Like, it's not really a Brooklyn, like you saw, it looks like right. that fake Brooklyn. No, we're literally, like, the tour buses are going by and Snoop is there and he lights a huge joint. And I'm like, oh, uh, you know, like I maybe want to tell him that you're not allowed to smoke real pot on the show, but you can't say anything to him. So he smokes <laughs> a real joint and he's passing it to Dave. And I'm like, oh, he's getting my actor stone now too. Like I'm like nervous. And then all of a sudden I look around and all the cops are starting to walk up, all the security. And I'm like, oh no, like the universal security cops are out there. Then we, I, like, we fin- like I say, cut, and then they all come forward, and they just wanted his autograph. Yes! It was so nice. I was like, yeah, that's just movie weed. It just smells like real weed. It's movie weed. Yeah, yeah. Snoop Dogg. Yeah, Snoop Dogg. Do yeah. what he wants. Yeah, he does what he wants. Yeah. And we just had so much, yeah, that was crazy. S- speaking of him doing what he wants, Willie though- Nelson was in it, and it uh, which, yeah, I think he's playing right down the street. Tonight? Yeah, Willie Nelson's playing tonight. Can you get us Willie in? Nelson's at the Hollywood Bowl, 90th Woo! birthday with yeah. Snoop Dogg. Yeah. yeah. Wait, wait. He's with Snoop. Snoop is there tonight. Are you being serious? Yeah. yeah. Snoop is one of the. There's like 50 special. We got to get a uh, party bus. Yeah. Tonight and tomorrow. Yeah, we'll be the half baked party bus. Oh yeah. my. Yeah. Like we were just, we couldn't believe that. And Dave couldn't believe that he got to smoke a joint with Willie Nelson. Like that was crazy. Yeah, Willie a, smokes real weed too. You can't give him. Anything. Yes, Willie and Snoop Dogg are the the two ends of the spectrum of smoking weed. Was like you can't tell them nada. I heard that originally Snoop Dogg was set to be Sir Smokes a lot, and then couldn't do it. Is there any truth that, to that? I, that might be true. Oh. I don't remember that fact, but that might be true. But the fact that Dave played him was is oh my god crazy. Dave, there yeah, there the is best. no better and, and yeah no better and it really did let us know what he'd be like as a sketch comedian five years later with the Chappelle yeah. show yeah because the idea of him playing multiple other characters or playing opposite himself yeah, something was all we got about used that. to yeah. but yeah. that can we we I think we've got a snippet of that uh, which I want to talk to Samson climbing to the moon like that bitch Alice Kramer because it's hard being black and gifted. Sometimes I just want to throw it all down and everybody knows in my neighborhood it's the best sense to ground. Sense the shit is blessed. Got the whole town on lockdown. I, I want to be a bright kid. Look at this cornrows here. Get the this shit, please. And there you were again. Yeah. That's funny. Back in the hip-hop uh, music video world yet again. In fact, mm-hmm. at the beginning, we didn't show it there, but at the beginning, it does credit you as directed by Tamara maybe, Davis. Maybe, maybe, yes. No, it, does, it definitely I, does. I wouldn't it's put it by us, yeah. Did, did, that, did your music videos with NWA influence that? <laughs> I think for sure, having directed music videos, yeah, we did like a fake music video. Yeah. And, we, you know, and probably I'd look at it and I'd like, oh, yeah, we took a room that was something else and covered it with weed that looks like how you try yeah when you're trying to save money or like make anything a set yeah that character destroys me another character that destroys me is uh samson samson's whole pimp vibe always makes me laugh but i heard that the actor clarence williams the third threatened to quit is this true can you confirm or deny i don't really remember i do remember that he was a little bit harder to work with like he was he went in it as if he was Al Pacino. Like he was Maybe like, that was method though, right? He's putting yeah, this like, like I was like, oh my God, he's so serious. Like he really was like super serious. 
So I don't know what if there was like something that happened behind the scenes, but we worshipped him. We thought he was amazing. But he it, directing him, and he was like in a whole different movie. Like to him, this was serious. <laughs> like he does, he did, wasn't there for jokes. But like that he, makes it work. We needed that. I, yeah, I, you know. But he acted like that too. So <laughs> Off camera, that was also the same vibe. Yeah, that's who he was. Well, it makes for a good story. Yeah, it was uh, fun. At, at we least, had fun. Um, you've worked with with people in these films. Norm, who's passed. Bob Saget has passed. Uh, in the film, and we want to. We we opened with the spirit of Norm Thank for you. a Yahoo, yeah. And, and it's hard to see them not with us. Um, I wanted to spotlight one other person that passed from the that was in. I don't know if you remember, but there's someone that was in both Billy Madison and Half Baked. Do you remember who it was? No. Well, let's Ooh. let's show let's show the actress that was in both Billy Madison and Half Baked. I'll tell you who took those lunches. That damn Sasquatch. Of course, across town, the kids' Nana's smoking up, trying to ease her glaucoma. And it's good for arthritis, too. I didn't even know that. We hired this... Gladys O'Connor. Wow, she's in bowl. That's my Nardwar moment there. It's Gladys O'Connor. We have to know. Yeah, that's amazing. <laughs> All right. Again, like, they, Adam has a thing that he thinks old people are funny as well. Like in all Adam's movie, he's yeah, always uh, trying to get like an old person in there. To Happy Gilmore's got yeah. that vibe. Yeah. He's like, oh, we got to get the old person. <laughs> and you're like. That's because it's projecting his his vibe is like weird old. And that's why it keeps getting funnier and he's more beloved because now he's fitting into like. Now it's he's sort of like, oh, yeah. you're people. Yeah. I mean, he will just continue every decade be more funny because it's more funny to see. 60, 70, 80, 90, go, I don't believe it. Uh, that's Gladys O'Connor. She was in her 90s wow. when she did Billy Madison and Half-Baked. She lived till, and may we all have the spirit of Gladys O'Connor with us tonight. She lived till, drum roll, please, 108. What? God bless her. Yeah. She was game. She like she had fun. Clearly, like, that damn Sasquatch smoke weed. Yeah, and like all that. Yeah, she was. She was all gay. of her lines. She she's had a great wonderful. time. What's that? That's right. That's she's she's the Miles Davis of peeing her pants. Thank you, sir, for screaming that at us. Uh, what an absolute honor it was to sit down and dive into the glorious career of director Tamara Davis. What a badass! And if our chat wasn't glorious enough, I do want to just drop uh, that afterwards. I got to hang out with her. Uh, Her casting agent sister and composer brother-in-law were also there. They'd been watching the show. And I just got to say how amazing it must be to be Tamara Davis. She regaled some pretty incredible stories, pop culture moments, people she knew. I think the best name drop it's so casual because she's so freaking cool. She says that the night before our show, she was hanging out with Kim Gordon of Sonic Youth for her birthday with Beck and Stephen Malcolmus. She hadn't seen him in a little bit. It was such a nice reunion. Oh, what a life it must be to be such an icon. Uh, I want to give some huge thanks as this uh, show is, is not done alone at all. Uh, the live program was produced by Kristen Wall. My co-host in tech was Dax Jordan. Our house band, which you heard, uh, was led by Nate Rich, featured Swinky on vocals, Nick Cisnero on bass, and Dennis Nilsson on drums. Also got to thank our assistant editor of this podcast, always giving me that sweet counsel, Carrie Harwin, and our theme song by the indelible, my first band leader, J.P. Downer. Another musical shout-out to Ian James for offering up the sweet hip-hop beat featured throughout my narration. Appreciate that royalty-free beat. Check him out on YouTube. Of course, gotta thank writer Sina Haddad for connecting the dots. Without him, we wouldn't have had this interview with Tamara Davis. And lastly, our sponsors for this episode. Yay! We got a sponsor there, GreenRocketCBD.com. Go head over to GreenRocketCBD.com. Great selection of joints, flour, gummies, and so much more. Their selection, it's dope. All right, friends, that is it for this episode of Who's the Ross the Podcast. I can't wait for you to tune in to our next episode when my guests are two hip-hop legends 
Seal Smooth, and Peter Guns. Man, if you're a 90s hip-hop fan, you're going to geek out over this just like I did when I don't even know how we made this happen. When they dropped into my L.A. apartment and hung out for over 90 minutes, regaling with incredible stories, things got wild, and they inspired some future madness that I can't wait to share. But in the meantime, stay rawsome, my friends, and thanks for joining us once again on Who's the Ross? The Podcast.